Good morning, New Breed and friends, family, and guests. I am so delighted to be standing before you this morning. Um, man, that is a uh, wonderful uh, prayer we got from Brother John, and really just a word in John chapter 4 as we uh, look at Psalm 42 this morning. And I just want to take a minute to acknowledge um, just the struggle it seems to have been um, finishing up 2020 and moving into 2021. And even uh, prophetically, maybe myself and Pastor Michael were like, hey, look, you know, it may be 2021, but don't think it's going to be sweet until the Lord says so. And sure enough, uh, earlier this week, it wasn't sweet. And so um, I want this, this psalm, um, it's been on my heart for years. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I read it in college. Um, and it, it just stuck with me for years. And, and when I was asked to preach this morning, uh, weeks ago, um, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to preach on, but I think I wanted to go deeper uh, than just a specific knowledge. I, I wanted to, to find a passage, and, I, and this passage in particular, how it addresses the soul, how it addresses the core of our existence as created beings by the Almighty God. Because I think if we fail to address who we are and whose we are, we can forget our mission and it can discourage us. Um, and so I just want to share that with you this morning. And, and I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope that we can drink well um, from, this, from this text and, and, and may a wellspring flow from us as, as we go from this place. Um, so join me in reading Psalm 42. If you would uh, stand, if you have your Bible. Um, Psalm 42, and I'll be reading from the ESV. I'll be reading from the ESV. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and of Hermon and of Mount Mazar, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound, my bones, in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? 
And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, our souls were created by you. And our satisfaction is from you. You are our satisfaction, Father. And so, Father, even now as we prepare to dive into this text, Father, may my satisfaction <laughs> be in you and not any exegetical teaching or expository skill set, Father, but may this word be made clear to my brothers and sisters. May this word be made clear to those who are listening who long for you, Father. And Father, we know that our longing for you does not come back in vain, that you fulfill all of our hopes and needs, and you address all of our fears, because you are the living God. You are our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 42. So maybe you haven't noticed, but Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 kind of run together. Uh, if you uh, were to keep reading them uh, in succession, Psalm 42 and 42 or 3, it would make sense that they would go together. Um, Psalm 42 is one that I feel like we can glean from in this season. Uh, I find it fully relevant uh, for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, we find it to be soul food, soul food. And I actually thought about titling this sermon, Soul Food, um, <laughs> but I kind of took a step back and, and thought, you know, um, soul food for me is a thing where you, when, when you're out in college and, and you don't have a lot of money and, and you're kind of like scraping by and you might be eating fast food and junk food, but soul food is when you come home and, and you can get a $12, um, smothered pork chop meal with, uh, with macaroni and cheese and green beans. And it's so satisfying in light of what you've been having, right? It's so satisfying in light of what you've been having. And so I kind of thought about, man, isn't the Lord satisfying in light of what maybe we've been trying to put our hope and faith in for the believer? And if you're not a believer and you're listening, um, this is soul food because your soul was created by God. This is a song of, of, of a masculine of, of the sons of Korah. Um, Korah, Asaph, Herman, uh, and Ethan are all associated with the service and music um, in, in David's time in the sanctuary, in his reign during Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, that would be the 5th century. So essentially, this is the praise team getting together and writing songs of praise. And he's like, yo, I got a song. Because they would have gathered together and, 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 and sang these songs, which is so fitting, right? Which is so fitting. I believe Psalm 42 gets right at the core of how we as members of the body of Christ know and experience God. The psalmist repeats and opens up with a longing for God. His soul pants for God. This would be appropriate as we were created by God to know him. We know that God wants to be known through nature and his word. We saw that in Psalm 19. So God is not a God who gives us a desire to know him and to enjoy him without revealing himself to him. I was speaking with a brother this week about some of the uh, O-heads in the faith, as, as we might say. Um, 
in the, in the 17th century, a group of uh, pastors and, and, and priests got together, um, and they got together essentially to kind of gather around uh, the Word of God and, and the church, because this is right post um, in the times where the Catholic Church kind of had a stronghold on, on, on the faith in a negative sense, and like, hey, you got to do this, uh, you got to do this. Uh, and so they got together and thought, you know, what is the purpose of man? And they did, and they got together with this catechism, um, which is essentially um, a Q&A of like how we know God, which is a profession of faith even. Um, and they said, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? Meaning like if you boil it down to like God created Lance for what? Like if you could just answer that question in, in, in one, you know, concise uh, statement, a catechism. What is the chief end of man? And this is what they came up with. The chief end of man is to know God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of man. And put your name in there. How about that? Put your name in there. Kendra, Stacy, John, John. The chief end of man is to know God and to enjoy him forever. And while this is not the Westminster Confession of Faith, Psalm 42, I believe that what the author is getting at speaks directly to it. When God created man with the intention and understanding, I think God created man with the intention and understanding that every part of our existence would acknowledge him and affirm him forever in our soul. First Corinthians ten thirty one through thirty three says, "This is Paul. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church. Just as I try to please everyone in doing, I do not seek my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved." Psalm seventy three. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh, excuse me, and my heart may fail. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I was thinking of a dear sister who shall go nameless because I didn't necessarily give her permission yet. But um, she said, uh, as she looked at this passage and said, as a dear pants of flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. And the thing is, even if we aren't acknowledging and pursuing and trusting and hoping and placing our unwavering faith and satisfaction in God, we still desire him. We still desire him. We still desire him. John 17, 22-24. The glory, this is Jesus, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. Verse 24. Father, as I desire that, as I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be, may be with me, where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. I think if you look at Scripture 
from Genesis to Revelation, and you look at God's relationship with man, we are to know him and enjoy him. Whether that's meeting him at a well, or whether that's enjoying him going back to a group of people and telling them all about it. Because by the way, the Psalms are Telahim, so you can tell them all about it. And I share these texts with you this morning to set the table of how we ought to view our existence and, and our creation as, as men and women. Um, and the first point I want to take out of this text this morning is our souls are satisfied when we acknowledge that we long for God. Our souls are satisfied when we acknowledge that we long for God. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before you? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where's your God? The psalmist gives us a picture of a deer who is panting for flowing streams of water. Make no mistake about it. The deer needs this water. This is not optional. You know what? I think I might go get a bolt. I think I might go get a Gatorade. Or I think I might, you know, try the keto diet. Or I might do a smoothie for the new season or whatever. No, this, this deer needs this water. It is vital to this deer's existence. And without the water, the deer perishes. The deer perishes. Take the water away and the deer dies. The psalmist knows the implication of God and the human soul. How much we need him. The human condition is such that we need God. We need him. And furthermore, our soul longs for him. The psalmist is facing a divine drought, as one commentary states. A divine drought. Where is God? Yo, I, I, I not only where is, but I need you. Like, where, where are you? But I need you. Like, uh, he's in a place where he, he feels like he just can't get fulfilled. Drought from what? His fulfillment. God. God. His fulfillment, promising comfort, and a place to pour out his burden. That's God. A place where the people of God would gather with music and instruments and celebrate and sing praises. Dare I say, a place like amongst the people of God, worshiping in a church setting. There is no fulfillment or satisfaction for anything or anyone, for anyone's soul outside of the presence of God. There is no fulfillment or satisfaction for anyone's soul outside of the presence of God. His word, his people, and submission to him through prayer and meditation and his spirit. There is no satisfaction of the supernatural soul longing for God apart from God. There is no satisfaction. How can the author be, such, be in such a longing state if, if he's clearly, you know, a choir master and, and he's involved in, in the covenant um, family of God? Like, how, how can this be? Well, I would ask us the same question. We're here, but yet we still long for God. And the thing is, we need to take a step back, like Brother John said, and examine our deepest longings. Because they can be misplaced, and they often are misplaced. Knowledge of the end of the pandemic, when is this going to end? 
I don't want to wear a mask for the next 30 days. Wanting a loved one to feel appreciated, or you being appreciated by a loved one, knowing your kids are safe. Longing to be in the presence of a loved one. Man, I just want to have this big old party and, and invite everybody over. I'm, I have a, t- a two-year-old and a daughter who's about to turn one, and man, I would love to throw a big old party and invite everyone here. But that can't be my ultimate satisfaction. As much as I want to do it, honey, yes. Knowing that these things will be okay, like, Lord, show me how we get out of this. Show me how my wife and I get out of this situation. Show me how my kids and I get out of this. Show me how our country gets out of this. Most times there's something in our minds and hearts that needs to be reconciled to God. And it's mostly our desire for other things other than him. And I love that um, keeping with the uh, illustrations of we, we start off with a, a deer desiring Flowing streams. That, that, that's a good thing, right? Flowing streams. And then we jump down and, and it says his food has been, I mean, his tears have been his food day and night. He had a good cry, right? He had a, re- he had a real good cry, but that wasn't enough. Having a good cry wasn't enough to hold him over, to quench his thirst. It's insufficient. And what do we do with that? So it's like, This world can place value on spirituality, which comes in the form of feelings and and happiness and sentiment. That can't replace God. There are a lot of people who classify themselves as spiritual, but fail to acknowledge the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit role in creation, salvation through the personal work of Jesus Christ, sanctification through the Spirit, and glorification. That's fulfillment. Not, oh, we had a spiritual moment. Yes, I was so connected to this one thing. No. Their spirituality, the person who, who tries, to assert, uh, tries to engage God or, or happiness or, or define spirituality through those measures, will fall short every time. Miss me with that. God is not ambiguous in revealing himself to us. He is clear. He is there. He is ready to be received. I don't want my ego and my emotional feelings to be my saving grace. Yes, we're spiritual beings. But when people claim spiritual experiences that are absent from the triune God, we must wonder, how satisfying is that food? And even then, if, if, if the, the psalmist is comparing a deer's necessity for the presence of God and God, like flowing streams to sustain him, if something is spiritual and it just... And it, and it makes you just happy, and that's the extent of it, then that's a waste of time. Because that has no sustaining power. That has no fulfillment. That has no power to usher us into eternal life if it's just something that feels good. God is not a vague sentiment or emotion or just a feeling that makes us happy. So as we think about when we desire God, and even some of our friends and families who think, you know, um, I felt it, you know, I, I think that was God. Yeah, no, we say, no, this is God, <laughs> the Father, Son, and the Spirit from all of eternity, calling us to himself, even as wicked as we were, not deserving of his grace and love, he steps into our situation and bore that wrath.
Psalm 73, 20 through 26. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's acknowledging God. That is a spiritual understanding of who we are and who God made us to be and who he is. Psalm 73 is a reminder that when it comes to soul cravings, the Lord's counsel will always be the end desire, whether we accept it or not. The Lord's counsel will always be the end desire and the end satisfaction. We serve a living God, a God who engages our whole being. There are different struggles for different brothers and sisters right now, for children, for, for our seniors. But I'm here to tell you, whether you're fresh to the faith in middle school or you are in a place where you are a senior saint, as we lovingly put it, man, this word is for you. This word is for you. And the application I just want to draw out this morning, brothers and sisters, is that a soul that thirsts can only be satisfied by the living God. When we think about the woman at the well, she came wanting something to drink in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, probably just, just desperate and, and ashamed and um, just maybe at the end of it, I don't know. But think about when she goes back. She's going back to the village not saying, hey, look at all this water I got. Hey, no, I met Jesus. I met Jesus. And not only did her transformation change her, her, her soul in that moment, but it changed what she did. She went back and told everybody. Because she knew in that moment that her destiny was, was far greater and far more eternally satisfying than getting some of the drink in that moment. Our souls are satisfied when we acknowledge that we long for God. God created us not only to acknowledge him, but remember in such a way that calls us to action in the midst of suffering and despair. That's point two. So we, we, our souls were created to acknowledge God and to long for God. But also, God created us not only to acknowledge him, but remember God in such a way that it calls us to action in the midst of suffering and despair. So I'll shorten that for point two. Our souls are satisfied when we remember God with an active memory. Our souls are satisfied when we remember God with an active memory. Psalm 42, verses 4 through 7. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Now, that sounds pretty cool for an Old Testament passage. That don't sound like doom and gloom to me. I don't know. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, 
So now he's like, hold on, wait, I, I, wait, I do know, I do know what, 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 my, what my purpose and need is right now. I remember I used to go down to, to Newbreed. I used to be a part of the body. And, and man, that, that, was, that, that was what God desired for me. And it was so fulfilling. It was so fulfilling because people would shout and sing and it'd be a festival. And we might even have a, a slaughtered lamb at the end. That's a Southern Baptist chicken reference. But... I shall again praise him. I want to go back to that. That, that, That's satisfying to me. But then he's like, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, myself and and my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. That's a lot. Shoot, it was a lot for me, but God is sovereign. The psalmist, as we said, is obviously in a divine drought. And even more, you add something else to it. It's not just that he's sitting there like, yo, man, Lord, I need you. But now he's got his, his enemies mocking him like, hey, your God is so good. Where is he at now? Where is he at now? And, and the thing is, this, this may not be us in this moment where we're facing death and, and people that are mocking us are acting Where's your God? But I can tell you right now, that might be us. Where are you at, God? If we're not careful, if we think that we're above questioning the presence of God in our lives to bring us out of a situation, we're mistaken. I can remember uh, being in college and just being on, I mean, it was right after high school. I got saved in 2004. And man, when I met Curtis, I was like, let's go. Let's give me all that. Give me all that uh, that merch. Give me all that swag. You know, I want to wear that. I want to wear that. I'm all in. BCM. Let's go. We let's go do the mission trip to Cleveland, to Philly, to Dallas. To we'll go back to Dallas, Cleveland, whatever. Let's do it. I'm all in. No shame. No no pain. Let's go. And then I get in uh, my integrative studies course with um, essentially the, this was the course for the uh, honors program, and a lot of the professors were um, Ivy League trained. And we got to the book of Matthew, and I'm like, yeah, oh, this, man, I'm, come on, let's go. And they start asking questions in there, and I'm like, uh, uh. And I just felt so pitiful. And I started to question, like, hold on, how, wait, he's asking a question. I don't understand. Is this real? I felt alone. Because everybody around me had an answer for evolution, and they had an answer for, for the social issues of the day, and, and they had all these answers, and like, yes, well, we just, uh, yeah, and I'm like, uh, man, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. You're an idiot. I felt it. I felt it. I really did. I mean, it shook me. I was like, I don't know if I want to write this paper, because I ain't going to pass, because he's going to think I'm, you know, elementary in my thinking. I'm here I am trying to get a bachelor's degree. Sometimes it feels that way, like even our, our, our greatest faith in the moment can bring about ridicule or, or doubt. People scoff at you, maybe. This is a psalm of lament, and laments by, by one commentator talked about how a psalm of lament, the psalms of lament are not just random screams in the night. They are real expressions of pain of real people who exercise real faith in the living God. 
He goes on to say, the Psalms of lament are a model of godly response to suffering. It's a model for godly response to suffering. The Lord does not expect us, expect us to remain stoic when we face suffering. We can pour out our souls to the Lord. However, in the middle of our cry, we must remember God's loving care for us in the past so we can willingly trust him with the future. With this type of response, we can renew our hope in the living God. And that's part of the point is when we remember God, we do it with an active memory. It's not just, oh, yeah, remember, I remember when, uh, yeah, God did that one thing when I came to faith. No, that's part of God's divine design for you and his plan for you in all of eternity. You don't just have to leave that in 2004 when you got saved. The same God who called you out of a dead situation, brought you to life, he's still the same God. And this psalmist kind of does a really good job of showing us that as, as uh, broken as he may be. He, he's struggling. He's like, look, I need God. I am desperate for God as a deer pants for flowing streams. But then he goes back to like, yo, why am I still sad? Why am I still sad? And then he goes back to, wait, man, that worship was so good. That worship was so good. And it's not easy sometimes to, to, to when, we, when we find ourselves struggling with, with our faith to just maybe say a verse or just show up one time and be like, oh, I'm fixed now. No, I'm good. No, because the truth is sometimes you can hear a really, really good sermon and you can read a really, really good passage of scripture. You can meditate on scripture for a really, really long time and you can have walked with the faith, walked in the faith, um, put your hope and trust in God for a really, really long time and life still kind of stinks, right? It's not that easy just to reflect and, and it's all better, huh? The reference of the waterfall at Mount Hermon is a subtle shift from hope to despair in the text. And I would say that we do the same thing sometimes. Sometimes we can, we can try to build it back up, build that faith back up, but it's like, ah, wait, I saw that one thing, or ah, this is not as easy as I thought about. This brother is up and down as he feel, in his feelings, as they may say. He's all in his feelings. One minute he's low, the next minute he's, he's trying to fight the good fight. His tears aren't enough. But he remembers Jerusalem. He remembers the house of God. He remembers worship. He remembers his experience of worshiping God. And I'm pretty sure he would remember how God has called his people, how God has kept his promise. If he's a covenant member of Israel, he's reflecting on all that he has learned and all that he's experienced because he's got his his. His, his boys and he's got his, his lady, his, his uh, lady girlfriends, as you might call it. And, and they were there with him, singing, praising, shouting. His tears weren't enough. But this waterfall is a good thing, right? Because we go from uh, the streams of water to the tears uh, to the waterfall, right? And I'll, I'll read it again here. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves, sea billows, have gone over me. That verse 7, right? That, that's a good thing, right? Like, oh, man, you got all this. Look at this abundance of water. But I would say 
that this abundance is not a good thing for him. This abundance is one of like, man, I can't get out of this, this waterfall. Like I was asking for some streams of water, but I got this, this waterfall of turmoil. Like, oh man, I, man it just, I'm getting hit from every angle. Like I was asking for, for some flowing streams. The tears weren't enough, but then here's this waterfall of like, hey, this, this is no good to me. I can't just, I, I'm a drown in this. Maybe that's us too. The thing we think might be good isn't good, or we feel like it's, the deficit is too deep to come back spiritually, whether it be with our own sin or um, a broken status outside of us. Maybe a relationship, you're like, man, I don't even know how to begin to repair this thing. Or I don't even know how to begin to recover this conversation with my wife that I had last night. Or I don't know how to begin to recover this part of the budget or whatever it may be. Like, sometimes it could just feel like all is lost, like drifting away. We do have seasons where we feel good, sad, close to God. Lord, I don't even know where to find you. Hope and despair. They come close and they hurt, as it said, you know, being poked and prodded. One minute we're good, the next... Man, it's like, Lord, just come on back now. While this is our human condition speaking, it's not where the story ends. No matter the circumstances, we reflect on what God has done. We also know that the here and now is not the, all, is not, the not yet. God is the one who brings us to glory day by day. And the application I would, I would want us to apply here is even as we leave this place and we reflect on scripture and this scripture in particular and, and we're trying to come out of this, this divine drought where it's like, man, I don't feel it. Oh, I'm just struggling to get there. Well, maybe we got a little bit of a, a, a sample here of what to do. We worship, we pray, we meditate, we gather amongst the saints. We do this. And it's not promised that when we leave here, it's going to be, oh, yeah, I feel 100 times better, and I'm never going to feel this hurt or sad or broken again. Because if that's the case, then Jesus himself would have never experienced these same emotions. He felt forsaken on the cross. It hurt on the side. Our souls are satisfied when we acknowledge we long for God. Our souls are satisfied when we remember God with an active memory. And our souls are satisfied when our not yet goes hand in hand with our already. When our not yet, our our future hope goes hand in hand with our current situation. So to to repeat that, the point, point three would be our souls are satisfied when our not yet goes hand in hand with the already. You got, you got to put them together. We can't just separate them or say, you know, well, here's the current situation of, 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 of my calling to Christ and my sanctification and, and how I get to enjoy this. But if this is it, then that's not it. <laughs> if this is it, then we're sadly mistaken. There's no fulfillment in just this part, right? Because Paul even said, like, if it's just... Verses 8 through 11... By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? So he's going back and forth again. 
Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy, as with a deadly wound in my bones? My adversaries taunt me. Why they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And here it is. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We want to reflect on the covenantal love of God as often as we can. And that covenantal love is, the, is part of the already and the not yet. Because already, he loves me to the point that he saw me in the depths of my brokenness and he said, I want that guy. And I know you don't know what I expect of you, Lance, all the time. I know that you're broken. I know that you're a sinner, but I'm going to gift you with the Spirit. I'm going to gift you with my presence that you can walk and pursue me and know me and enjoy me forever. That's the covenant now. And the covenant later is, and I'm not even going to leave you there. It might get tough here. You may face difficulty. You may be mocked. You may even find yourself in pain that you could only imagine that if you thought you would have outside of Christ. Like you thought, man, if I'm a Christian, why does it hurt this much? Like surely, like I was given like, you know, hey, I got eternal life. I was joy and happy and, you know, and, and Satan's like, here is all the junk. And I'm going to leave it right here. And the, sometimes the temptation is, yeah, it's mine. Yeah, just leave it right here. Yeah, yeah, just leave it right here. It's too heavy. I can't carry it, so I'm going to just sit here. But what we should be doing is when Satan tries to bring that junk and leave it at our foot, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Kevin's not here. Go. I've already placed that at the feet of the Father. Because he said he died on the cross for my sin. And that those who call on his name will have everlasting life. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten sin that those who believe in him shall not die, as my son might say, but have everlasting life. But not yet. Some of our friends and family think we're crazy, right? Like, why do you believe that? Like, I had a, a friend, in, uh, a, a dear friend of mine. I love him. And he said... Why do you believe the Bible if a group of people got together and decided what was true and what was not? And once again, this was in college. I was like, I don't know. I believe it. But the truth is, the Spirit revealed that to me. I wasn't there when they got the Council of Trent <laughs> and the Council of Nicaea together. I wasn't there. But man, the Spirit testifies to what's real. The Spirit testifies to what's real because I have the Spirit because... I have salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not wasting our times, friend. The already, the struggles, the family struggles, don't look at TV. <laughs> There's plenty to lose hope for. There's plenty. And part of seeing that is like, man, why, why am I so cast down? Like, this isn't right. Like, what I'm looking at is not right. What I'm experiencing is not right. And that's part of the, the longing for God, as Brother John got it. And it may not be as, as desperate as a deer. And the thing about that, that particular deer, the deer doesn't know. Let me go to, you know, Louisville Water, pay my bill, and go to the tap and go over here. What I, like, the deer's just kind of out there. And if he doesn't come across the water in time and drink it in time, he's dead. Like, that's the de desperation we're talking about. 
And maybe our desperation looks a little different in different areas, but man, our hope is eternal. And not only is it eternal, as Brother John said, when that woman at the well met Jesus, her desperation <laughs> and her, her essentially maybe on her way to death, I don't know, but it turns into a sovereign God encountering her in her lowest moment with a lifetime of promise. And she was able not only to receive him in that moment, but her salvation led her to go tell other people. Her salvation in that moment was so near and dear to her heart. It was so joyous. It was so satisfying that she had to share it. She had to share it. And maybe these are confusing times right now because we seem scattered, right? Like, you know, A through L, M through Z, we meet, you know, um, bi-weekly and we're not sure what's next for our country or for our church or for whatever. We're just not even sure what tomorrow holds, right? But the beauty is he knows what tomorrow holds and we know him. God the Father sees all of human history from beginning to end. And our job right now is to acknowledge that he has placed us here by his grace for his glory to know God and to enjoy him forever. We don't see all the details worked out in the future, but we trust that he does. We trust that he does. And so I, I just ask us this morning as we leave here, you may be a little up and down with the, man, I was in the procession. We sang, we, 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 we clashed cymbals, we played the drums, we, we played the piano, but man, why is my soul so cast down? We were there 10 minutes ago. But then we reflect on our salvation, our rock. Even when the scoffs come from within, right? Not, e- not even always on the outside. When the scoffs come from within, when the doubters and the haters come from within, we say, my God, my rock, my salvation. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful um, for this time this morning that we had in your word. And Father, it is difficult at time to find satisfaction in you. And Father, maybe the first step is just acknowledging that you have given us souls that long for you and desire to know you. And then maybe, Father, it's remembering with an active memory of who you are and how good you are. And your covenant loyalty has no end. And Father, maybe it's remembering our salvation that belongs to you that you called us by name in the depths of our despair as decorated decorated dust, and you called us to the divine yourself, that you robe us with righteousness, Father. And maybe in this moment, as we reflect on our salvation, what do we do with that? What do we do with that salvation, Father? Well, I do know that you call us (laughs) to wear the crown of salvation, the helmet of salvation. You call us to hold the sword dividing truth the boots of the gospel, and the belt of truth, Father. Father, may you arm us right now to go and proclaim your name, not just to the neighborhood, but to the nations, Father, that we would continue to persevere 
and knowing you and enjoying you forever. And part of that is, 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 is calling our brothers and sisters, let's go worship God together the best and safest way we can. Brother, if you are hurting, sister, if you are hurting, let's remember the God of our salvation, our rock of old. Let's reflect on the goodness of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.